What's up, everybody? Welcome to the ATL Sports HQ Live Show, the show for the fans by the fans. Episode 19. My name is Bob Lancaster. You can find me all over social media at Bo and Bob. Sports HQ Live Show, the show for the fans. Episode you didn't move quick enough, Phil. <laughs> It's your turn to introduce yourself, Phil. My computer, but it's frozen, so I'll <laughs> Phil. Let me get myself situated. Uh, I'm Derek Clemens. You can follow me on Twitter at Derek Clemens. You can follow the site at atlsportshq.com and atlsportshq on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. And also the show can be found on all major podcast sites, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Hangouts. Wherever there's a podcast, we're most likely there. So make sure you uh, go give us a five-star rating. We would greatly appreciate that if you did that. And if you're interested in writing for the site, we still are actively recruiting. So just shoot over a message to either myself or Phil on Twitter. And we will get you set up. We've added quite a few writers here in the last week or so. And uh, some quality work being done uh, by these new guys lately. So uh, we'd like to keep that rolling. But uh, let's get right into uh, the action. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the Trey TL, as Phil likes to call it. Uh, what, a, what a week. I mean, what a week for Trey Young. Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month, again. Epic for overtime game with 49 points, 16 assists, 8 boards, and hey, he topped it off with his first career ejection, too. So it's just been an awesome, awesome week. But let's start with the 4-overtime instant classic with the Bulls. Was this Trey's breakout to the entire country? I mean, he was trending number one on the Twitter. On the Twitter? He was trending number one on Twitter worldwide. Phil, was this his breakout to the entire country? Yeah, you know, if, if people weren't already realizing what was going on, because, you know, he was playing good before the All-Star break. He had a very good rookie sophomore game. And then he came out with, uh, like, back-to-back 36-point -back games after the All-Star break. And then he went absolutely nuclear. He, uh, people aren't realizing he had two points at the end of the first quarter. Um, he had, like, 10 points at halftime. 16 points at the end of the third quarter, and then scored 18 in the fourth quarter, 10 in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter, and 11 in the first overtime. And then he just ran out of gas like anybody would at that point. <laughs> you can see it in his legs. Exactly. You can you can still see it in the games after that. You can, you can still see it right now. He's really uh, it's catching up to him because I mean at this point he's played 60 games. College season only goes about 31. So this is the most basketball he's ever played by far. I, I think people are forgetting, too, how durable he's been this season. He's played and started in every single game for the Hawks this season. But it, it was just a beautiful thing to see. You know, I, I've been going to Hawks games since 2005, and I have to say that was the second best Hawks game I've ever been. Um, the first best would be the Al Horford putback game. So it was just an amazing thing to see, you know, the crowd – was amazing. It, it felt like the old days. And as I said in my uh, article last week, the Trey Young article, pretty much game by game, you can just feel the energy increasing at State Farm Arena. It's going to be really exciting next year. I can't wait. 
you're jumping ahead, man. You're already asking questions. I'm going to ask you here and later. Uh, but uh, uh, what do you think, Derek? Was this trade's breakout to the entire country? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely starting to show around. I mean, like you said on Twitter, I mean, all the national media uh, sites were catching on to that. And you're starting to see him being recognized after this stretch. But, I mean, it should have been on notice uh, way before. And I think it's only going to continue his brand. It's going to continue to grow and be bigger and bigger. Yeah, I mean, well, the great thing about it for me was I um, started watching on Twitter as the points started going up, and he was like number eight, and then, you know, he moved up to like number six, number five, and then when he drained the three-pointer um, to uh, take the game, well, with the, what we thought was going to be a game winner, but uh, a dumb foul caused it to go into uh, to overtime, but at, when he drained that three-pointer, he shot up to number one trending United States, and then by the end of uh, by the end of overtime, he was number one trending worldwide. So I definitely think that this was his breakout to the entire country. Uh, it definitely was the most talked about um, uh, that he's been on ESPN. It was for once it was him leading the story instead of Luca. So uh, you know it was good. I mean it's it. it on the downside, it was horrible that we ended up losing that game. Um, I kind of took a little bit of the polish off it, I guess. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch, you know. But, you know, it, one thing that won't be talked about, though, but how great was Vince Carter gutting out that 45 minutes with John Collins out, Derek? I mean, it's great to see. I mean, he's consistent production from him. I mean, you wouldn't think that he would be out there that much. I mean – especially with a bunch of young guys that we have on the team. But, I mean, he continued to play well, uh, making good plays, hustle plays at the end of the game. Can't remember exactly when it was, but he made a nice play to keep the possession in Hawks. Uh, but, I mean, his performance was great. I mean, like just like it has been throughout the entire season. And well, he's done way more than what we could ask for. Yeah, what do you think, uh, Phil? Yeah, at this point, uh, Vince Carter has been an elite three-point shooter this year it's amazing this man is 42 years old and he's still getting it done you know he falls asleep on defense sometimes but hey 42 years old and you knocking down shots i'll give you a pass and you're also providing uh immeasurable um measurable uh a guidance and uh to the to the rookies and young players so it, I, i'm glad to have him i hope he sticks around for another year uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you, uh, you know, do you think that possibly it could be time for the Hawks to be sitting down and talking to him about an extension for another year? I mean, he he's just been so invaluable, this team. Like you said, leadership-wise, he's putting up more minutes than I think we could have ever imagined that he would be putting up. Um, I, I kind of would like to see him uh, come back next year and, and help this team grow even more. For sure, um, you know, because as as we get better, he, it's gonna be as as we get better, we're gonna need players that can get it done on both ends, obviously. And he's only getting older, so if he can come support the locker room in a role that I thought he would have this year, I didn't think he would even be seeing the court. We're in March. I, I really didn't think he'd be seeing the court anymore, honestly. Yeah, Derek, was this the best Hawks game you've ever watched? Uh, I don't know about best, but if I had, I enjoyed this game 
probably the most that I've have joined a, enjoyed a Hawks game maybe since the 60 win season. I mean, the last few years, even though sometimes they could be fun to watch, but I mean, they were pretty much boring basketball even when we were in the playoffs our last, what was it, two years ago. But you think Dwight Howard and Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, that, that season was probably the even more boring than last year. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, this season has been fun to watch. And, I mean, that game especially, I mean, it had me on the edge of my seat, even though it should have been over in regulation. But it was a fun game to watch in general. Yeah, you know, I didn't get to see the the putback game. I, I heard that mentioned a lot by a lot of people as far as best game. I, I, I actually didn't see that game. Uh, so this, to me, is the best game I have ever watched. I mean, I was invested the – the wife went to bed and uh, I stuck it out. I mean, I was just, I was, it was just enthralling. I mean, again, to see Trey hitting the shots. Um, but like you said, you could start to see the, um, the, the legs going out on Trey and, and the legs going out on Vince. I mean, Vince by that last quarter was just so short on all his shots, you know, but you couldn't blame him. I mean, I, I think if they would have had, you know, John Collins that, uh, um, we wouldn't have, uh, you know, we wouldn't even be talking about overtime because I just I thought that as good a game as, as Trey had, uh, um, you know, it it I just think it w- we would have wouldn't have gotten the four overtimes. We may have not have seen the the as good in numbers as Trey had. So, but man, I I threw, I enjoyed it. So, like I said, for me, you know, best game I've ever watched for sure. But uh, the next Bulls game uh, saw Trey's first ejection. For literally doing nothing. I mean, Chris Dunn slaps him aside the head, and they assess a double technical when Trey walked away. And then Trey drains a three and stares down Dunn for a second tech and ejection. Uh, I'll throw it out there. Was this a conspiracy to lower Trey's numbers so the golden boy Luca didn't look overshadowed, Phil? I hope not. I mean, you know. Does the NBA love Luca that much? I know the media does, but even you know when Trey's had this little hot streak, uh, the media's been—they've been hyping Trey just as much as they were hyping Luca during his hot streak. If we're being honest, but I—I I, I don't think the NBA would do that, and I, I really think they want this to be a race. I mean, why wouldn't they? Honestly, I think Trey is the more exciting, the more polarizing player, the more—the player that you can build a. Uh, build a repertoire around more so than Luca. I, I think we could see Trey in commercials. I don't know. It, it, Trey, uh, Luca doesn't have that like glowing personality. I think that Trey can have. Yeah. what you think, Derek? I mean, you know, it just seems that these were a couple of random technicals here. Yeah. I mean, I just, it happens. I mean, that was a terrible, I mean, it was heard around the league and I'm pretty sure both of the techs got, rescinded so i mean it was obviously was a terrible mistake i don't i don't know why it was even an issue in the first place i mean every it just seems like every time every time something happens with him and you know i i just my my immediate uh is you know, conspiracy, just because I, I always think the NBA is the biggest conspiracy ever. So they, I know they, they play their favorites, they ride their favorites, and 
And, and I agree, Phil, too. The media is the same way, you know. So I just thought, how convenient when Trey's just been on the tear he has been. Hey, we better we better cap him at 18 points. I mean, it was still 18 points in 18 minutes. I mean, so he and that definitely didn't make him look, you know, less impressive. But uh, but I always just like to call conspiracy. So uh, one thing that uh, um, Dougie said in chat was, you know, hey, Trey got snubbed for player of the week, too, by Ben the three-point King Simmons, uh, and that that was harsh. I mean, Ben Simmons averaged like 16 for the week, you know, and then uh, Trey averages like 30. So it just again, I was like, how did how does Ben Simmons win that? So, but that that's another thing. You know, I'm a big conspiracy guy, so you know that here's the conspiracy in the NBA not wanting to give him Player of the Week because that might make him look better than Luca. So. But uh, overall, the Hawks did have a decent week, though. Uh, even though they only took one out of four, they w- had the win against the Bulls and then losses to the Bulls, Heat, and Spurs. Uh, Phil, give me your thoughts on this week and this week's action. I thought it was actually one of the better weeks that the Hawks have put together. Um, of course, you know, they lost the four-overtime game. You didn't have John Collins. You should have won it in regulation. Uh, some silly calls. The Bulls were nuclear. For uh, the, the Bulls were nuclear in that third quarter. It seems like they hit three after three after three. Um, and then Sunday, of course, they went out there and they took care of business. You know, the Bulls weren't going to hit like that two games in a row. We, that would have been a comfortable blowout. We were on our way to a blowout before Trey Young got ejected. Monday, Miami had one of the best game plans I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, finally a smart team. But uh, they trapped Trey when he had the ball. We had no secondary playmaker. We had no role man, pretty much. Uh, we really missed John Collins Monday. And we still only lost by one against a team that is absolutely desperate for wins right now on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. And then um, Wednesday, we couldn't hit a shot. We had no energy. And yet, we still had the lead at halftime. It was like a three-point game with two minutes to go against the playoff bound Spurs. So I, I thought it was a very good week of basketball and we're doing everything we can. And you know, for for as bad as Trey looked in the first half last night, he still finished with twenty two, six and four. So I, that's decent numbers. I know the shooting wasn't there, but he couldn't overcome from that first half. He still he looks tired. The, he looks tired. In that Miami game, uh one thought that I came out of it was uh um it felt like watching him back at Oklahoma again, where he was the only star. So yeah. you just put the full court trap on him, and he, yeah, I mean, he just it kind of really shuts him down. Um, doubles from at half. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, they gotta. Um, that that's one thing why it's so important that Trey has to have a playmaker beside him because that's what they'll do. I mean, you know, again, you saw it that his last. His last year at Oklahoma, they put the trap on him because he was the only scoring option, and, and it just shut him down. And so it caused a lot of people to to look down on him, I guess, uh, when it came to the to the NBA draft. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you as far as putting on the trap in the Heat game, and it, and it was successful. But, uh, Derek, what are your thoughts on this week overall in action? Uh, yeah, I think – I mean, in general, I thought it was a pretty good week. I mean, we got to see – some other guys step up at points, and uh, especially without with uh, John Collins out, and then I mean we let 
Trey Young have his big night. And then, I mean, he continued to play pretty well for the circumstances. And like you said, it just shows how much – it shows that he – the. Uh, how well he, he has been playing, I mean, with the roster around him. And it shows that we need to get people in here so he can make them better and he can uh, dwell off of their play too. So I think, I mean, the future is bright and we've seen some of it uh, this week and I think we're going to continue to see it. Yeah, uh, yeah, again, my thoughts. Uh, I thought – it was. I thought it was a good week, even though it didn't show in the win loss standings. It was. Uh, I, I thought we played better. We did have some defensive lapses at times, um, uh, some questionable shooting at times. Um, but overall, I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I can't complain. I mean, again, I figured that we would definitely have a split with the Bulls, which is usually what happens in a um, you know a, a home and away back to back. You usually get a run into just a, a split, so um, we easily could have won that game against the Heat. Um, and like and like Phil said, the Spurs are just a better team than us at this point. So, um, but that's what I want to see. I just want to when, when we have a better team like that. I just want to see. I want to see us hang and stay in there and not be be overmatched. So, um, so I, I wasn't disappointed at all. So, um, how cool was Dwayne Wade surprising Kevin Herter with the jersey swap, uh, Phil? Yeah, he looked like a kid in a candy shop. You know, uh, Kevin Herter is a very cool guy. Got to talk to him before. He, he just, you know, he, he's so like innocent and he just seems like, you know, he, he just there. He, I don't think he can believe that he's made it to the NBA. Honestly, he just seems so humble and so like soft spoken and just he was really taken aback. He grew up idolizing Dwayne Wade. That's why he wears number three. Hey, but hey, don't sleep on him. He'll dunk on you if you give him a chance. But <laughs> Kevin Herter is a, a great dude, and he really appreciated that. And I'm sure that's good. That's I'm sure it's already framed and in his house on the wall. Yeah, how cool was it there, Derek? Yeah, I mean, it was a cool little scene to see. I mean, obviously unexpected, and I mean, you could tell, and to know that someone that you looked up to, and I mean, you're wearing the same number because of him. Uh, knows your story and knows that that's the reason you're doing that. So, I mean, it's cool for him, especially since he's not a big name player. Yeah, we, um, we'll, we'll try and get that video up on the ATL sports HQ Twitter account. Uh, so you guys could check it out. If you haven't seen it, this is a cool moment. The best one is like Kevin Herter's look on his face. Like he's like, what me? Yeah. Is he pointing at me? You know, it takes him a second to realize that, you know, Dwayne Wade's talking to him, you know? Uh, but, but I like that. Uh, Dwayne Wade took the time to, first of all, you know, find out, you know, that he wears number three in honor of him. He he talked about it in an interview where he said that he knew that Herder wore his shoes in high school and uh, has, has just always, you know, idolized him and looked up to him. So um, I'm always such a big fan of the jersey swap. Uh, I, I always think that's, you know, that that's something really cool and, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big memorabilia guy. So I always think, man, that'd be cool if, you know, if I picked up a Jersey like that as someone else. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was a cool moment for Kevin Herter. And, you know, you wonder what they, what they talked about and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I getting advice from Dwayne Wade can't be a bad thing. Let me tell you. So, but, uh, We'll call it for there for the Atlanta Hawks, and we'll move on to the uh, Atlanta United. Uh, that's something we normally talk about when it comes to the Atlanta United, but they just didn't have a very good week whatsoever. Uh, 
the, they lost to DC United 2-0 to start off the MLS season and are down 3-0 to Monterey after the first leg of the Kanakaf quarterfinals. Oh, wow. uh, the Kanas, yeah, Kans, yeah. <laughs> we're just going to go with the CCF anyways. And uh, uh, Phil, is this just the growing pains of new players in coaching? Yeah, everybody needs to relax. We had a three-month offseason. Lots of moving parts, new coach, new system. Uh, everybody got to relax. You know, DC United has our number. They've always had our number. We knew that would happen. I thought we played decent. You know, after the first goal, it just kind of went downhill. And I think players kind of, I don't want to say they stopped trying, but they had Wednesday in the back of their head. Wednesday came, we looked kind of, we looked rough Wednesday out the gates. We kind of stabilized. They scored that first goal. And then we kind of held strong until the 70th minute. And then you saw the fatigue uh, set in. Now, the only decision that I will outly, excuse me, disagree with new coach is playing the regulars all that time on Sunday. That made absolutely no sense to me. Um, I would have honestly, I would have ran that second team out there Sunday. You're playing the best team on this side of the world, pretty much. And you knew that. You knew you're flying back and forth between countries right now. There's no way that we should have ran that first team out there. And there's no way we should run this first team out there this Sunday against um, Cincinnati. Now, yeah, you don't want to go down. Um, you don't want to start this season 0-2. But if you can even get a draw with Cincinnati, Cincinnati's an expansion team. They're not very good. You're at home at the men's. It's ring night, banner night, however they do in soccer. You got to at least get the draw. And then Wednesday, you give it 45 minutes. If you don't score in 45 minutes, pull the plug and um, and get get ready for the next week. So I, I really think we're going to be fine. I don't think this is going to be Toronto of last year where they just struggled after winning the championship all year long. I really, this team has too much talent for that. I still think we have the most talent in the MLS, but it's going to be a challenge. You know, it's going to take time and it's a long season. One game down, 33 still to go. If this team gets in the playoffs, they're the favorite. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I agree. With that. The, um, hold a second. I'm, I'm echoing somewhere. <laughs> Am I good now? I don't hear Okay, I think we're good here. Uh, Derek, one thing I want to ask you is, uh, do you think that like um, a, a coaching change like this is going to take an adjustment for the United to get back to normal? I mean, yeah, I think it plays a part of it. I mean, you got to get familiar with your coaches and, I mean, a few new players. And it's just a different thing. And, I mean, you have to give it some time in anything. I mean, so I think that definitely plays a part of it. And then, like Phil said, all of the stuff that comes into it, I mean, they're going to be – it's going to take some time. And, I mean, going on, you're going to see them improve and get back to the level that they were last season most likely and maybe even uh, better. Phil, do you think we're going to miss Miggy Almiron more than we thought we would? I think I asked you this the other day, but I just – we'll run it by this, this chat too. I mean, he, he was the best player in the league, but – um, we were the best team in league history last year. If it wasn't for injuries, we would have demolished the uh, the point record last year. I mean, we won a championship 
without being challenged at all in the playoffs, in the playoff run whatsoever. There was not a single minute where it's like, uh-oh, we might be in trouble. So it it will never, ever, ever, ever be that easy again. But I really think when this team hits its strides, finds the right lineups, find the um the right formations, it's going to be great. I, I, this team should still be favored to win MLS Cup. Uh, I'd say us in the East and Seattle in the West right now should be the favorites. DC United, I think, is pretty much the only team in the East that can really give us trouble. I, I think DC United may be the best team in the East right now. Uh, I, I think we'll catch them eventually. But other than that, I mean, Toronto's meh. New York Red Bulls really fell off. Uh, Columbus Crew, they're going to be good. And see anybody else? Um, no, you said Seattle. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> but in the long run, I mean, not having Miggy on the field is going to hurt. But you have to remember the whole other side of the story. In the long run, this is going to convince so many young South American or European, any players from uh, the top young talent, they're going to see, hey, I can go to Atlanta United. I can I can go to MLS and become a star player even in Europe in just a few years. So it, it's going to take time, but I really think we're going to be okay. Yeah, um, I, I I don't think it has anything to do with Miggy. Honestly, I think think it is um, adjusting to um, you know different players around you, and again the the coaching change. Uh, you, you know, you're so used to playing for one guy. Um, and so, uh, you bring someone in and it says, it's a new style. It may be the same, it, it may be the same game plan, but you know, it, it's still a different, uh, a different style of coaching. Um, but, uh, I mean, Miggy was a big piece. We all know that. Uh, I just, I, I started was happened to see it on Twitter where people were talking about, oh, we're not winning because Miggy went and, you know, and pity, you know, pity Martinez and uh, Joseph aren't on the same page, you know, like like the other two were, you know, um, uh, Stewart in our chat. He he just said the same thing as me. He says all it takes is Pity and Joseph to get on the same page, the same way Miggy and Joseph were. And that's exactly what I think, you know. Um, you know, when you play together uh, a little bit more, um, you, you know, you've had uh, camp situations and stuff like that, but it's nothing like playing in the real game. Um, but uh, I definitely think that they're in trouble uh, against Monterey. I just can't see a, a, a comeback against one of the best, you know, the best teams in uh, in this tournament. So, uh, yeah, that's something to watch out for. When is the when is the next leg against Monterey, and when is the next uh, match uh, MLS? Next MLS match will be uh, Sunday at the Benz at five o'clock, and then Wednesday. Night at eight at the Benz will be Lake Two of Monterey, and I actually I've just got some breaking news. Um, Vince Carter says he will play for one more season if teams are interested, which teams will obviously be interested. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, Travis Schlink needs to be uh, knocking on his doorstep right now. Let's just extend him now in the in the. You know, and just give it to him. He's been so good. So uh, there you go. Breaking news. See, this is why you can't miss this show. Where else are you going to get this news? So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, Atlanta Braves. Man, nothing going on in free agency. You know, the free agency news has been the norm for Braves offseason, this offseason, which is just little to nothing going on. Um, uh, last, you know, there was a big rumor going around that uh, – 
um, Craig Kimmel was seen having dinner. I mean, you know, big news, big dinner next to Disney World. So, uh, and that that was broke by Dave O'Brien. And um, what I've heard from um, my source is that uh, um, he's working out with uh, Brian McCann uh, just to keep himself fresh for when someone does call, and so he's ready to go. Which, but that's not anything new. Uh, a lot of pitchers will do that just to make sure that they're ready to go um, for. Uh, for the season, but I got to think though, that they have to be the still the leading candidate for him, but he's still holding on to wanting multiple years upward to five years. And I think he's going to have to settle for three years somewhere. And I think if it becomes a three year deal, uh, the Braves, I, I think are the front runners because everything I've heard is that they're in the three year range. So, uh, I'm going to guess that he signs somewhere next week. Uh, that's my prediction, and I'm going to say he does sign with the Braves uh, next week. But, uh, um, Derek, are you concerned that the guy we paid $23 million a year to play, Josh Donaldson, has yet to see the field this spring? I mean, that's, I mean it should be – I think it should be a slight uh, concern. I don't think it should be as big as people might see it as. But when it comes to the regular season, if you do see that happening, I mean, obviously that's a big concern. But, I mean, I guess you just don't want to rush things and you don't want to irritate more stuff. So, I mean, I guess it's part of the plan. That's it. Coming off an injury, um, especially a, a back injury like that, um, you know, you're only one move away. You know, I'm sure I, I don't know if you guys have ever had, you know, back pains, you know, stuff like that. There's nothing worse than like lower back pain because it just doesn't subside right away. So um, and it just cripples, you know, just cripples your whole body. I mean, you can't stand up straight. You certainly can't swing a back because the torque of, you know, swinging just puts all that pressure on your lower back to begin with. So there's nothing to rush. But does this concern you at all, Phil? Nah, uh, and also, I, I thought I saw a report earlier that he will give it a go tomorrow. Yeah. So I wouldn't be at all concerned. Mm -hmm. now, if, you start, if we start getting, like, the week before, and has he has he come out and said, yeah, I'm still experiencing pain and soreness? So if, if he hasn't come out and said that, then I, there's nothing to be um, concerned about. I mean, he's a veteran. What does he really need to prove in spring training? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I I do want to see him uh, get multiple at bats. Uh, what they what they normally do with guys like this, where they're maybe starting a little bit late in spring training, is that um, in the split squad games they'll run and go get three at bats, and then hurry up and go to the to the split squad game and try and get another three or four at bats in, so that you're uh, um, you can get some swings against live pitching. And uh, uh, my wife says she's a little bit concerned. You know, I. I'm honestly not. Uh, to me, I call it the superstar treatment where these guys know how much uh, working work that they have to get in and spring training to be game ready. And he's come out and said that, hey, look, you know, I, I'm good. I just, you know, again, there's no rush coming off an injury. Um, and I haven't seen any concern team-wise. I haven't heard uh, Alex Anthopoulos talk about, you know, any concern on his end. Um, and so uh, it'll be interesting because tomorrow he is supposed to make his debut. And so I do want to see, you know, how the next week or so goes for him as far as swinging the bat and, uh, and playing the field. Because one thing about it is that uh, – you know, we got Johan Camargo that's ready to take that third base spot if Donaldson gets hurt or anything like that. So it's not like we're lacking 
um, you know, with infield help, uh, you also have, uh, you know, top prospect Austin Riley, who's a third baseman that could easily step in there too, if there's any kind of injury concerns. So, um, so like I said, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that next week. And, uh, I'm pretty sure when we do the show next week that, uh, I'll have that, that'll be one of my updates is about Josh Donaldson. And like I said, I hopefully, hopefully next week it'll be, we'll be talking about Craig Kimbrell or someone, um, you know, joining this team because there are just some quality starting pitching still out there as well. So um, I, I do think we're going to add one more piece uh, before the season starts. So let's go ahead and go on to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Grady Jarrett uh, got tagged. Uh, $15.2 million will be the tag for him. Was this a must move for the Falcons, Derek? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's one of the best tackles in the league right now. But a thing that is concerning, I mean, obviously the franchise tag was good for us, but a thing that's concerning is, I mean, the rumor was that he was asking for uh, Aaron Donald money, and I just don't see him at the point right now where he deserves money like that. But it also, I mean, after saying that, I mean, he's still a – key guy in the defense and I mean I don't really think you'll find a lot of people like him but I don't think you risk the other people that you could end up potentially losing if you did give him money like that and you lose up lose out on a lot of opportunities so I mean it's a sticky situation and I mean the Falcons are are in a sticky situation with a lot of players on the roster right now yeah um Phil what you think man was this a must move for the Falcons yeah, the Falcons have to. You can't afford to go backwards right now. Uh, after after the season we just had, that's one of our best defensive players. You got to get it done. Uh, and if he wants that kind of money, he's gonna have to show something more this season. I mean, he's been a great player, but he ain't, he ain't deserving of twenty million right now. But hey, that the Falcons window is quickly closing, so. If we can get a motivated guy to help us get to the next level and hopefully make some noise in the playoffs and get back to the Super Bowl, that's good. We need that. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was a great move by the Falcons. Uh, so I definitely agree it was a must move. But, but why I think it was a must move for the Falcons was it may be costly at $15.2 million, but it buys you another year of negotiating with him to get him signed long term. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's why that's why it's such a huge move, which is one reason why I like the franchise tag, because, you know, it, it kind of makes it clear to your player that you want them around long term. Um, but that only works if you continue to have negotiate contract negotiations with them. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I definitely agree. They gotta have him this year. So, um, you know, it, good for him. 15.2 is guaranteed is a nice number to have. So, um, and, uh, I, I didn't, I, some people you hear complaining about the franchise tag. I didn't hear one complaint from him about getting 15, two for one year. So, but one thing that I, this one, we didn't, I didn't throw this in our notes, but this is something I'll ask you, Derek. Remember when they were going to work on Julio this off season? Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard anything about it. I have it. not heard anything. Is that concerning? It's, yeah, I mean, to me, yeah, that's very concerning. I mean. It's your best players. It's your franchise, pretty much. I mean, he's a franchise player. So, I mean, you just have to you have to make sure that he's happy no matter the situation. I mean, he obviously, he wants to be in Atlanta. He keeps 
preaching that every time that the media asks him about stuff. But you have to continue to make him happy so the drive is still there to help the team. What do you think about Julio, uh, Phil? Yeah, you we're going to eventually – we have to take care of this guy. He is the franchise. He is the city, someone who really embodies the city of Atlanta. I can't imagine the reaction from the fans if we didn't do right by Julio. We, we, eventually, we're going to have to make it work. La- you know, last year it got testy enough to where I actually had a question, would he sit out? You know, I just I, – I started thinking, and I'm like – you know, he, he's given everything to the Falcons franchise and, you know, and patiently waited his turn. He's one of the best receivers all time, not just Falcons all time, but one of the best receivers of all time. And he's still patiently waiting. And I think the patience is going to wear thin, um, especially if great, if they work out a contract with Grady Jarrett, whew, that's going to tick him off, man. I mean, it's just... <laughs> Because, again, to be able to put the franchise tag on someone and then work out a deal with them, you know, uh, yeah, he's got to be like, hey, you know, what's going on here? Because then you're going to run out of money. I mean, that's to, <laughs> what we're going to get into with the next question, too. You there, know? there comes a time. I mean, you just got to stick up your, for yourself. I mean, that's in an NFL, it's a big problem because these people aren't getting the money when they deserve to get the money, and then they end up getting hurt or something. I mean, we see it all the time, and that's something he doesn't want to happen. So, I mean, obviously he has a lot of pride in Atlanta, but, I mean, his situation and his. Hold on. There we go. I was froze for a second. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I think I think we lost Derek. Julio talk got to him. He's froze. <laughs> <laughs> we just get to look at his pretty picture there for a little while. So. <sighs> but uh, anyways, uh, Phil, we'll jump into the next topic. Uh, you know, Tushar just put it good in chat. They got no money. I mean, the Falcons are quickly running into cap issues. Uh, I brought this up in our chat. Uh, is the window quickly closing for this group before a complete breakdown needs to happen? Well, I mean, uh Matt, Matt Ryan ain't getting younger. Julio ain't getting younger. Uh, so, of, of course, I mean, but, I mean, Matt Ryan is the kind of player that can probably play till about 40, though. But Julio Jones, you know, sometimes the wide receivers and especially running backs, they can kind of break down earlier. So Julio Jones might not have too many more years of his prime left. You know, football careers can be very short, but – I'd say with this group right here, they have about two or three more seasons, but you don't want to get into that cap hell where you can literally do nothing and the team starts to get worse and you still can do nothing. And it you're pretty much, you have to rebuild at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one thing about it is we saw, um, the, the saints just have to go through the same thing, uh, over the last, uh, you know, until last year. So probably two years before last year where, you know, you, you just run out of money. I mean, and so if th- it's imperative that they absolutely cannot miss this year in the draft, they can't, I mean, this, they did a, uh, um, a good job last year, uh, drafting. I thought it was 
the best draft under Thomas Dimitrov. So uh, complete. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't miss again because you're you're running out of money, and so you need these young guys that um, will give you uh, um, you know three or four you know uh, three or four good years before they have to be to be paid up. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, again, the, to me, the window is closing very very quickly. They. Um, if they, if they struggle this year, I, I'm almost to the point where, you know, as an, as an outsider looking in, um, I think, uh, that I'm going to think that they need to blow it up and start all over again. Um, start releasing some of your, uh, bigger salary guys and, um, you know, and, and again, just start, just start building up. I mean, their first mistake to me was, um, uh, choosing to give Devonta Freeman the big contract uh, because I bet now in hindsight, they had wished that um, they had given that money to Julio and then let uh, Tevin Coleman and uh, you know, a future Edo Smith, obviously Edo wasn't involved at that time, but you know, a future Edo Smith be our running back combination, but now it's cost you Tevin Coleman, you know, um, who, you know, who's clearly walking. And uh, so, um, it's just not looking good. Not looking good for that franchise right now. There's nothing worse than cap problems. So, and then like I said, when, once everybody starts talking about wanting to get their money, it, you know, it just it all spirals downhill from there. So, um, but uh, yeah, uh, let's go into buy or sell. I'm guessing because <laughs> Derek is missing in action. So. Um, do you want to give him a second? Do you want to discuss something else real quick before we uh, jump into buy or sell, or do you just want to go in? Atlanta Legends finally getting a win. Oh, that's got you know. I was going to put the Legends in, but I kind of thought we'd run a little late. We're actually running a little bit early, so let's let's do talk about the Atlanta Legends. Uh, they actually uh, won. Woo! Go Legends! Uh, but the big news is that uh, Aaron Murray will be getting the start uh, this Sunday. Uh, so how, how big is that for the franchise? Yeah, uh, that's definitely going to spur interest here in the Atlanta area, of course, with Aaron Murray having those UGA ties, uh, of a fan favorite here in UGA country, it seems, but it, they finally got a win, um, after Sims had to go out of the game. So Murray led them to the 14-11 win. So not very exciting football, but hey, a win is a win. And when you're 0-3, 30% into the season, any win counts. Yeah, I, I'll i never understand why Matt Sims was chosen to begin with. That I mean, when you're... When you're starting a franchise like that, you want to sell tickets. Man, throw Aaron Murray out there, whether or not he, you know, and then if he if he's not the answer, then go to Matt Sims. But the whole point of you know this league is to you know possibly give someone a chance to wake their way into the NFL. Aaron Murray was never really um, given a chance to uh, compete for a job in the NFL. He was kind of relegated to uh, to third quarterback roles in Kansas City. Um, and so he just never really got that fair shot. And so he's still young enough that, um, you know, he could have a shot. Matt Sims, 
has been in the NFL multiple times, has gotten to start games multiple times.